I met a YouTube group who everyone's probably familiar with at this point named Dude Perfect. They have about yeah. 48 million subscribers. I left the sports agency four and a half years ago and I met Dude Perfect. Saw an opportunity. We are currently in downtown Dallas, have been here for the last four years. Uh, Night Media now is growing very rapidly. So it was once built as a talent management firm and we haven't necessarily pivoted. Talent management is still the core business, but where we're really focused and I've broken the company into two segments. So one is influence is where all of our talent sits and the other is create. And so we're really focused and where we're hiring is in create. And so we're not necessarily business. We're not necessarily talent managers. We're more business partners. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and as you guys know, when we bring guests on these podcasts, we like to bring on interesting people, not just people that any random person can reach out to an interview. But um, when I started the podcast, it was to to go and actually talk to people that I was interested in talking to and learn their story and whatnot. And so uh, today's guest that we have brought on here and and worked out, got connected through uh, a mutual business partner. And uh, he is incredible at what he's been able to do. He's been in the business, in the industry of influencer marketing for many years. He's not one of the newbie fluff people. And I just been talking to him a little bit before here, before our interview. It's been really cool to know that like who we're talking to here is someone with substance. They've been absolutely just blowing up their business recently. And so I'm really excited to bring on the, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the founder, right? Founder of, of Night Media. Yeah, no, dude, I appreciate that intro too. Holy cow. Wait. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the conversation's as interesting as that intro was. That hopefully so. But the founder of Night Media, Mr. Reed, I don't even know your last name. Uh, Dutcher. Dutcher. Reed Dutcher. Very, um, German. very German. Well, dude, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. Thank, thank you for having me on. Yeah, we are, who are we connected by again? Uh, Shaylin. Shaylin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Shaylin, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This will be exciting. Yeah, man, for sure. So let's let's dive in for, right away. For those people that don't know anything about you, which I'm yeah. guessing you're a little bit more behind the scenes dude, yeah? I, I've liked being the behind the scenes dude, to be honest. Uh, I think that's, in for those people that don't know me, I started as a sports agent. Uh, I got into the industry about five and a half, six years ago, working with some pretty unique names. Uh, guys like Barry Sanders, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Joe Theismann a lot of Heisman Trophy winners, um, Hall of, NFL Hall of Famers. And I really got into that sports world because I was also playing college football at the time. Okay. Where did you go to school? I went to North Dakota State. Okay. So the first name that comes to mind every time I say that is Carson Wentz. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carson Wentz did go to school at North Dakota State. Yes, we have won. I believe it's six of the past seven national championships at Division One AA level. So we've been on a, a tear of the, the past six years. Uh, went to North Dakota State. I met, weirdly enough, I met a sports agent in a hotel lobby at an internship. And I had known about the industry because we've all seen Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Uh, and I always thought it was sexy and, you know, that'd be fun to do someday. And I fell into it. He's like, hey, if you're looking to go to graduate school, come on out to New York City and I will let you intern with me while you go to graduate school. Dang. Can't pass that opportunity. No, of course not. No. I was at the point in my career where I was, I had no idea what life was like after football. For, right. for 12 years, football was my life. That's yeah, all yeah. I did. That's all I dreamed about was playing football. And so when that is finally taken from you and it's over, there's like a sense of loss, but also a sense of confusion of what's next. Yeah. And so luckily for me, I met that sports agent and he's like, listen, this could be a really interesting career for you as a former professional or a former college athlete. Come right. Try it out. See what happens. And how old are you at this time? I was 22 years old. Okay. So you're like senior year of college. This happens. Senior year of college just f- actually is last semester of college. So I had just got done with the internship. And instead of, I, w- I was setting myself up to be a nutritionist. I wanted to go be a dietitian. Hmm. Uh, and took a total pivot 
and ended up going in just to get my MBA uh, and go work as a sports agent. That's incredible. Okay, so just for some context, let, let's hook people in for the rest of the story. Where are you at right now? And like, what is this story leading up to? Because you're about to turn 30. Happy birthday, by the way. Correct, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm about to turn 30. Yeah. yeah. Okay, hold up. Let's stop right there, though. Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've met him personally. Preston and I were on one of his videos about it, six months ago. And I, he preaches this all the time. Like, yes, I'm young, 30. You're so young, bro. <laughs> so Gary, like, I appreciate you saying all that, but it still feels like I'm getting old. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, so do you watch his videos at all, like his trash talk videos and stuff? A little bit. Uh, Gary, love him to death. He's a little too in your face. I don't need the motivation. Um, Gary doesn't really motivate me. I'm already so self-motivated that yeah, his yeah. stuff really doesn't do it. Uh, I like him as a person. I really pay attention to VaynerMedia as a business and what yeah. he's doing and investing in. But outside of that, I don't consume a lot of his content. Sorry, Gary. Yeah, no. I, well, it's funny. The only reason I ask that is because like I'm the opening clip of trash talk. I'm on like a ton of the videos of all that because I was at an event one time where, so I'm like, I'm a diehard, like big, huge Tom Brady, New England Patriots fan. Right. And so he's obviously like wants to snap Tom Brady's neck off. So I was at an event one time we were doing Q and A. And so I asked him if he would go to the Super Bowl with me, if the Patriots went and like, we went back and forth and there was this, uh, you know, conversation between us and he just like roasts me at the end, like the whole crowd, like erupts in laughter. And so opening time, anytime he wants to like roast someone in a video, he plays the clip of him calling me a dick and that I would just root for winners. And he is one. It's, it's pretty funny. So well, anyway, his jets better pick it up or it, it, tra stop trashing. It. Well, that's what I'm saying, dude. I'm like, my Patriots keep winning. His jets keep not winning. So anyway, you're 30. Uh, where are you now though? Cause you're not in the sports industry so much anymore, right? Like no, you kind of pivoted. I've been in the sports industry for four and a half years. So I met uh, a group, a YouTube group who everyone's probably familiar with at this point named dude. Perfect. They have about yeah. 48 million subscribers. I left the sports agency four and a half years ago and I met Dude Perfect. Saw an opportunity. We are currently in downtown Dallas, have been here for the last four years. Uh, Night Media now is growing very rapidly. And so it was once built as a talent management firm and we haven't necessarily pivoted. Talent management is still the core business, but where we're really focused and I've broken the company into two segments. So one is influence, is where all of our talent sits and the other is create. And so we're, nice. we're really focused and where we're hiring is in create. And so we're not necessarily business. We're not necessarily talent managers. We're more business partners. And so we're now spinning off and starting companies with a lot of our talent from Mr. Beast to Preston Plays to, to uh, Unspeakable Gaming. We're really now at the point now where we're starting and leveraging their influence to build consumer facing companies. And that's, that's where that's awesome. the focus is in this office. That's awesome. So is Dude Perfect then a client of yours or you saw an opportunity? Yep. So I stopped working with Dude Perfect about two years ago. Um, gained a ton of knowledge from them. They were at a point where they're trying to bring everything in-house. They have an in-house manager, um, no agent, but mostly everything is in-house. I wanted to run my own business. And so we, I'm still very close with the guys. Uh, I think they're trying to figure out gaming at the moment. If you've seen their overtime series and they yeah. lounge. Um, so really close to the guys, learned a ton, but now we have all of our clients just exclusively built into Night Media. Into the Night Media. And how big is the Night Media team? So Night Media currently is seven employees and four contractors, uh, and we are hiring four more currently, trying to figure out uh, who those people are. So we've been identifying talent for the last 30 to 60 days. And right now we only have 10 clients. I'd like to keep it around 10 to 11. As you know, uh, this space is very time consuming when you bring Super on top tier level talent. Um, Mr. Beast is a full-time job. Preston's a full-time job. Yeah, no kidding. Top echelon of all of YouTube, right? 1% of the 1%, all of them doing over 150 million views a month. Uh, so it's very, very, <laughs> to say the least, uh, right. that echelon of creator. That's incredible. All right. So I want to dive into that a little bit further. And I want to talk about like the trends of the industry and how you made the shift. But I want to go back to first, like to bring some context around this. Now that people know a little bit about who you are now, let's go back to New York City. So you go, you're like, sweet, I'm not going to be a, a dietitian anymore, right? Or a nutritionist. I'm going to go and I'm going to just career change, right? I feel like maybe that was kind of a leap of faith. Yeah. Or no? Yeah, I mean, let's, I guess let's back up to football a little bit. So football's done. I'm trying to figure out what's next in my life. Right. 
was in, I was in a weird spot. And for all those people that, you know, go to college, I wasn't exactly someone getting a 4.0 either. <laughs> I think I graduated with a 3.1 average, which is okay, but it's not great. Right. I never read a book. And this is true. I think I maybe read a one Harry Potter book when I was young, <laughs> but I had never read an actual book up until this point of being 22 years old, my life. And I don't know. I think if I, if I go back and look, I'd say there was a, a day when I was 21, 22 years old, where I was literally just sitting there. I was like, what is next after football? I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like it's my life. And I think something just clicked like, okay, I either need to make a change or I'm going to really just sit here and be a wannabe football player for the rest of my life and right. consume everything I could get my hands on. And that's really when being a sports agent was sexy to me. And I, I really wanted to pursue it. I read every Lee Steinberg book, um, I, I, every sports agent, not even NFL, but NBA that wrote a book I consumed, um, every autobiography, every business book I could get my hands on my Rolodex of, of knowledge from 22 to 24 years old. I probably learned more in that two year period than I did from 10 to eight to 10 to 20 years old. It, isn't it interesting how like when all of a sudden you become passionate about something or like put your mind to the fact that you need to do something, how much like, I mean, you don't read a book for 22 years or 20, yeah, 20 years of your life. And then all of a sudden you read, you know, a whole library in two years. Isn't that crazy? Like a book a week. It was crazy. I was obsessed still to this day. I mean, I have a massive bookcase in my house and that's all I do is try and read. I consume a lot more audiobooks because I'm on the road and it's really difficult to read on the plane. But yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was. Just consuming knowledge just became so interesting to me. What's your, what's your favorite book so far that you've read? Oh my gosh, that's everyone asks me this question. It's so tough to answer. Creativity Inc. is very good. Good really, okay. Um Good to Great is such a good book. That is a good book. I really I really like the pieces that talk about individuals as well. I, I really enjoyed le- learning about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. So I, I I really tried to consume as much as I could of what made those people successful and what yeah. their paths were. Um but man. It's like asking what my favorite movie is. I'd, I'd probably name 10. So it's right. like good to great. I've read multiple times. That's probably right now. My Jim Collins is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, he really is. Such a good read. So for anyone that hasn't read that book, uh, you are missing out. For sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good book. I'll have to put Creativity Inc. I've not read that one. I'll have to put that on the... It's about the inner workings of Pixar. And they, they created this thing called the Brain Trust. And everything hmm. within that company had to circulate through this core, these core people called the brain trust. And Hmm. that's how you saw these movies come to be like toy story. And it was, it was conceptualized, not from one individual team, but a team would bring it up. It would go to the brain trust. They would approve it, or they would say, no, go back to the drawing board. And so it's just like the inner workings of the company. And then it also talks about how then Steve jobs kind of came into the fold. um, Working with Pixar. Very interesting book. That's fascinating. Yeah. I can't wait to read that. Yep. All right, cool. So, you read all these books, you get this opportunity, you're off to New York. I mean, did you end up moving there or? I did. I, I lived in New York for two years. Luckily, my sister's been in New York for now 13 or 14 years. So the transition wasn't very difficult because I- Which was, part? She lives in Manhattan. She's okay. on, right, right outside Union Square. And so I would, we, we would hang out every weekend and my sister's a little older than I am. So when I was in high school, she was already gone in college and then moved to New York. So our relationship grew in those two years more than I think I'd ever imagined. That's awesome. And, but it also allowed me to really focus on what I wanted to do with my life. Because yeah. outside of my sister, I didn't know anyone. I had just moved out there to go to graduate school and intern at the sports agency. And so I really took it as a time in my life where I wasn't going to do anything but consume knowledge and learn as much as I could about this industry and how I could set myself up for success. That's awesome, man. So like, what's the, okay, I come from a very entrepreneurial world. Um, I don't come from a background of that. I mean, I grew up a farmer in the middle of nowhere that didn't have Facebook until he was 18 years old, right? So like, I didn't come from entrepreneurship, but once I got into this world, like everybody claims to be an entrepreneur, right? Everybody wants to start a company or sell a course or be a famous YouTuber, right? Like, so for you though, you're interning, which makes you an employee more or less, right? I mean, probably not even, were you paid or no? Uh, I was, I was reimbursed for all my expenses. So technically I wasn't an employee, but I was reimbursed. 
Okay, so you reimbursed for your costs or whatever. You weren't making a whole ton of money. How much did that play a role, like working for someone else and like seeing the inner workings of that company play into you going, becoming, you know, the founder of Night Media? And like, when did you make that transition to become a full-fledged entrepreneur, if you want to call yourself that, like a business owner? Yeah, I was at the agency for about a year. I, I think from my standpoint, I always knew I wanted to own my own business. What this really set me up for was, seeing things that I would have done differently. Uh, so I really observed the then president of the company at the time, seeing how he spoke to different individuals. I really learned a lot from him on cold calls and cold emails. Hmm. Very, very instrumental in my ability to pick up a phone and to create a relationship out of thin air. And so those are the things that I really consumed. But the, the goal was always to own my own company. I never went into a sports agency saying, I want to work for someone for the rest of my life. My dad had owned his own insurance agency for the last 25 years. And so it, it really showed me like, okay, he not only has the freedom to make the decisions that he wants to make, but he also has the decision to run that entire company, right? He doesn't right one. And I always knew I wanted that. I didn't know what the road was going to look like. So for me, it was just consuming. I wanted to be a sponge and consume as much as I could from those individuals. That's awesome. I didn't even know. I think what happened was I, I made a cold call, more or less a cold email to Dude Perfect at the time. There were about 2 million subscribers and I was trying to get Barry Sanders in one of their videos. So I was like, okay, these guys are awesome. These YouTube right. videos. <laughs> I mean, everyone that watches the Dude Perfect video probably has that same like wow factor of like, first, this is right. real. And secondly, if it is real, I am amazed that they hit those shots. And I was in that same position. So I was like, I need to get Barry Sanders in. How do they do that, dude? A lot of time and effort. It's, it's actually like they actually make them? 100% all legit. They do not make anything. Yeah, there's no illusion. That, nothing. It's all real. Um, the golf golf shop video, the golf ball videos, the basketball videos, football videos, it's all 100% legit. And how many? They got to go through like hundreds of tries sometimes. Yeah, they'll do it until they hit it. They will be there until they hit it. I, I've heard stories from them that it's taken two to three days just to get one shot, but it's trick shots, man. That's the trick shot life. That's incredible. Yeah. The amount of kids, I, here's where I saw a pivot when I was at the sports agency. I was seeing kids pay attention to Dude Perfect more than they were paying attention to these guys that we were representing. And we had Richard Sherman, we had Odell Beckham Jr., and we had some big names in football. And I would meet 10, 12, 13 year old kids out in public and I'd be like, hey, do you watch football? And they'd be, yeah. I'm like, do you watch Dude Perfect? And their eyes would light up. Be well, like, yeah, dude, it's the new trend. And so I, I literally was like that moment, I started talking to advertising agencies. I would travel to New York and LA and I would talk to them about Dude Perfect. They'd tell me I was crazy and that they weren't going to spend money with Dude Perfect. They'd rather sponsor Brett Favre. And there was eventually a tipping point where all these emails started to pile in about like Shia Day and Fleshman Hiller and these big advertising agencies were going, okay, Richard Sherman's great, but tell us about Dude Perfect. <laughs> and I was like, light bulb went off. I was like, this is going to be so big one day um, that I think there's an opportunity here. How far are we into that bubble or into that shift? I think, I think we're into the shift of YouTubers really taking over all of mainstream. I, I think we're not at that tipping point yet, but we're on the edge. I don't think that Hollywood really realizes how much influence these people have yet. I really do. I was going to, and that was my question. Cause like sometimes when you're in the industry, dude, like, you know, you get fogged vision, right? Like I've been around influencers. I've hung out with, you know, the Amanda Cerny's of the world. I've also hung out with more of the business influencers of the world. And I look at these people, like we just did a promotion the other day with someone and they were like, Hey, can we spend less than three grand? Dude, we got like a half a million impressions for like $2,000. You know what I mean? Like, like something just stupid. And I'm like, I, if, if, you know, the Jake Logan's Mr. Beast of the world, if people knew they're getting millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of views for pennies compared to what you're saying in traditional media. How, but how much more, like how long is it or how much more market is there to come to the YouTube market? Like, is there, are we just starting out? Are we about the halfway point? Are we almost to the end or do you even know? I hope, I hope we're just starting out for the sake of this business and for the other businesses built around creators and digital influencers. I hope it's just the start, but I, I do think we're at least halfway, if not past halfway. 
Um, now, will Mr. Beast hit a million or a hundred million subscribers like Felix is going to hit? I think so. Is he going to do it faster? Yes, because more people are funneling are on the thing than they were six, seven years ago. But man, I hope it's continuing to grow. I really do. I, from my standpoint, I'm seeing Mr. Beast increase at 1.8 million subscribers every single month. And it's consistent. Like the lines like this, like, it's not like it's dipping. Like he is growing at 1.8 million subs a month, month over month over month. And our other clients are doing the same. We're not seeing a dip in anything. I think where the dip comes in influencers that you're seeing now is just oversaturation on the platform. There's a lot of people playing video games. There's a lot of people vlogging. And these kids have short attention spans. They might like someone this month and then they don't watch them the next month. And now you have a subscriber who doesn't click on your videos. I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But even Mr. Beast though, like he's unique. You know what I mean? Like he spends so much time and effort on his videos. How much does that play into keeping attention? Like just being different and unique. We, we reinvent ourselves every single week. We're never doing the same thing. And that's why he's been so successful is the motto has always been take a simple concept and make it bigger, right? So if we're going to play Monopoly, let's big, build the biggest Monopoly board in the world and play for real money. So you take simple concepts and just puts them on his Mr. Beast level, but he doesn't do anything twice. He may right. film a spending 24 hours in blank, but he's going to do a different location. He's never going right. to same location right right now i mean we're doing like spending 24 hours in antarctica is what we're working on we're working on a bermuda triangle video like things that are so outlandish that everyone's going to click on that video yeah no other youtuber and i don't know if anyone can compete with jimmy at this point the amount of resources and the amount of money that he's throwing at a video i i don't know who else can compete with him right now it's it's it's, uh, yeah it's ridiculous it's like so like I was a huge fan. I, I got into like the influencer marketing game about like three and a half years ago. I started following Logan Paul when he first started like on the YouTube platform, like video number 10, I think vlog 10 is when I picked him up and I become like a huge fan of Logan, but it's like, it reminds me, Logan had this massive growth because he was this first, first to the platform more or less for vlogging, at least in the style that he was doing it with the daily vlogs. Mr. Beast is like that but on a whole different level um, in his own unique way, right? Because he's like, it's not just a vlog in front of your face. It's like these well thought out videos. How do you keep, or, or maybe you're not involved, but like, are you involved in the process of deciding what content goes out or like ideas or how, what's your role there? Yeah, I'm involved in the saying yes or no. Like, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Uh, he has actually 18 employees right now that help him on a day-to-day. Wow. YouTube. There's been a large shift in YouTube channels becoming big businesses in the past year. Like we can't, we know we can't compete with T-Series and Nickelodeon and Disney unless we have an infrastructure and a team that can compete on that level. Right. You're going to see the biggest YouTubers in the world having very strong production teams. Um, Three of our clients, Preston, Unspeakable Gaming, and Mr. Beast all have massive teams right now built like a big infrastructure. And Jimmy's the same way. I think it was Logan camera, editor, thumbnail person, right? Very simple vlogs, low barrier to entry. Right. You with Jimmy is a very high barrier to entry. You not only need production assistants, logistics people, like you need a massive team and infrastructure, but you also need a large pile of cash. A large pile of cash. Fly a team to Antarctica or build a massive monopoly board, build a tank, fill it with slime. Like you need a massive amount of capital. Where did he get his capital at the beginning? It was all brand deals. Uh, the CPM was very low because we weren't advertiser friendly at the time when I started with him. And so we were trying to soak up as many brand deals as possible, probably lower than his market value was on a lot of them because he needed capital to fund, fund those videos. He didn't make any money. Um, for all of 2018, we literally were break even. Really? Yeah. He, but so he would do it. That he knew that, okay, if I, put, if I make X amount of dollars and I put 100% of it into this video, I'm setting myself up for the future, right? So he saw it as a, it, basically he was spending money in marketing, taking all that money that a brand was giving him, putting it into the video, making a great product and then putting it out to the world. And it paid off. I mean, now he's at 21 million subscribers. It's ridiculous. And there's no, he's not slowing down anytime soon. The video is right. crazier at this point. And he's 21. He's 21. Yeah, he's young. How, 
how do okay how long ago did you start working with him 2018 uh beginning of 2018 like february 2018 he had uh 1.8 million subscribers and so you you start working with him year and a half now has gone by essentially he's got 21 million he's 21 years old more of a personal question here he's 21 you're 30 he's got 21 million subscribers you're where you're at in life you're not doing too bad for yourself right uh like someone like me, I consider myself relatively successful, all things considered, right? But then there's someone like Mr. Beats or Mr. Beasts. Like, how, how do you, does it affect you at all? Do you go, man, this sucks. Why am I not that famous? Or are you cool? I'm not really trying to be famous. That, that never, was never the goal. I wanted to get in business with the biggest creators in the world and build, you know, companies. That, that was also the goal. So you don't care about being famous? No, I think the only reason that I want a following is to inspire right? Like I eventually want to be a keynote speaker. I eventually want to do Ted talks. I eventually want to write a book. That's the goal. Um, being Instagram famous, having a YouTube channel, that's never really something I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I really admire how Gary goes about it and his content is really to propel his business. Yeah. And that's the only reason he does it. That's how I've been thinking about it. It's like, what content do I have to put out that's going to help night media grow? And yeah. so when I think about my brand, that's, it, it has to directly correlate with the businesses that we're creating. That makes sense. So when it comes to getting clients for you, I know you say you want to go and like stay around that 10 client level, but let's assume like you grow a team and you wanted to pick up another client. How hard is it? Like, are you going after clients that already have a manager in place? Or are you going after clients that have nothing in place that you see talent with? Like, where are you going to try to find new talent or, or new people to bring on? Yeah, I've actually never recruited anyone. Uh, so my first client that I started working with was actually a direct referral. Uh, the only person I ever cold emailed that turned into a relationship was Dude Perfect. Hmm. All of my clients from that moment forward came through Twitter DMs. It was... <laughs> Uh, my first client, so typical gamer was one of my first clients and it was him introducing me to someone or my friend introducing me to Preston through Twitter DMS and then Preston introducing me to unspeakable gaming and jobless Garrett, who is a friend of mine still introducing me to Mr. B. So it's, I've never recruited. It's all been just word of mouth. I don't know. I think we're at a point where some of the managers in our office will probably try try and recruit some of the bigger talent. I've also noticed that I'm always the second or third manager to get signed. They had one probably an MCN, did a poor job. They ended up leaving the MCN, maybe had someone non-exclusive that helped them. And then I'm usually the second or third person in line that actually presents some kind of value outside of just a network. Right. So that, I found that really interesting. A lot of my guys had either a manager through an MCN or a manager that they worked with for a year or two and then fizzled out. So how important, like how much do you focus on your craft like to differentiate yourself. Cause like in business, you no, know, we always talk about focus is the key, right? Like if you can be the best at what you do, you render your competition more or less irrelevant. Right. So like, w- are you different than any of the other agencies out there? Are you more or less the same? And how much time do you focus on the actual, lo- I don't know, the logistics and the deliverables upon what you do? We're just, our difference is we're actual talent managers. Like we're very in the weeds. And what I mean by that is the moment that, a client starts working with us, it's not just a service level brand deal relationship. It's a, let's look at your three-year plan, five-year plan. How are we building towards that? What businesses do we want to start? Like we really focus on income diversification. Where else, like what pillars do we have that you're making money from? A lot of our guys right now have five to seven pillars that they're making money from, right? It's not just Google AdSense. And so that's our big focus is like actually being a talent manager. If you're at that point in your career where you need an agent, um, we know all of them. So we'll go interview agents with you. Uh, We have a client who just got a publicist. So we had to help them find a publicist. And we're really that direct conduit to their entire business. So lawyers, CPAs, agents, they all funnel through us. And that's Hmm. where I wanted to be. I wanted to be that person that was an actual business partner long-term. I think even if you look back, you know, decades ago when in Hollywood, when actors and actresses, and usually their team is business man, or manager, agent, publicist, right? The manager's always the closest person in that relationship. Agents are usually pretty hands-off predominantly. Publicists come and go, and you have to usually pay them a retainer. I noticed um, when I started doing my research that the manager had the best relationship, and that's where I wanted to sit. What's the difference for those people that are listening right now 
in your role between a manager and an agent? What's and the difference? It's, it's a little cloudy, to be honest. And I think there's a lot of companies in Night Media's position that think they're agents, call themselves agents. Um, we're not regulated through the state of California. Um, we are talent managers. The difference to me is talent manager is a very day-to-day person. Yes, they can do brand deals. Yes, they can do new businesses. An agent is going to work on those very big picture items. For instance, uh, William Morse Endeavor is a partner of ours on Preston Plays team. So Preston has a few agents. We're working on a book deal. So he has a literacy agent. We're working on an animation show. Um, so we have a um, theatrical agent helping us with that. And then he also has a voiceover agent because we wanted to start doing voiceover. And so we had three pillars that as a manager, you really don't want to take on if you're not an agent in Hollywood that we needed to go get someone for. And so I think as long as you understand what you need an agent for and you give them a path to stay on, they're very, very helpful. Got it. The problem is right now, all these agencies in Hollywood are just trying to sign everyone, right? They, they see it as a land grab. And they're going to end up signing thousands of creators and they're going to do a really poor job for all of them because there's not going to be any goals in mind. Their goal is just let's sign everyone. So, you know, us as CAA can be the biggest dog in the digital influencer world. And then they're going to do a really poor job. And then agents are going to get a bad rap because people are going to be like, I was with this agency and they didn't do anything. So for us, how we looked at an agent was let's identify four things that we need them to get done. Let's tell them in our initial meeting, let's see how they're going to attack those things. And then let's make a decision. That's incredible. So like from your payment, your payment structure with these guys and agents, are you like a retainer fee? Are you percentage? Are you both? Uh, How is like your relationship with your actual clients versus how an agent's manager is with those actual clients? Like when you're paying your agents? We've always done percentages. I've never done a retainer. I know some managers that actually work on retainer. I've never been a big fan of that. I'd rather play in the upside of their career and help them grow and take a percentage of that career. Agent sits in the same pool, right? They're usually a percentage of deals brought in. I think that's the best way. Um, If you're approaching a manager and they're asking for a retainer fee, I would always, you know, be hesitant as a creator to do that unless you think they're going to present more value than that retainer fee is. Yeah. But we've always sat on the percentage side. And I don't think we're changing our business model anytime soon. So let's go back to getting into this space. Who was your first client again, you said? Uh, Typical gamer. Typical gamer. Okay. So you come out of New York. Are you in New York when you sign your first client or have you moved to Dallas, LA at this point? No. So I worked. Okay. So we're we're in New York. I uh, graduated. uh, I graduated from graduate school. I left the internship and got a job at a sports agency in Las Vegas. So that's where I was for about a year was okay. in Las Vegas. That was where we had a bunch of Heisman Trophy winners and Hall of Famers. That's when I met Dude Perfect. And um, I had worked so hard to get into this sports industry. I'm telling you, like, I would, I was crazy. I would get laminated resumes for all these young kids out there. Like, how do I get in this industry? Here's how I got in the industry. <laughs> well, that was my I, next question. I would laminate resumes and I would go sit in lobbies at these agencies. I would go sit in rep one sports lobby. I would sit in CAA's lobby and people would just kick me out. They'd be like, you don't have a meeting, please leave. And I'd be like, great. Can you just give this to Tom Congdon? Just wanted to talk to him. And I was just like, literally, okay. So I'll tell you a funny story. So Lee Steinberg, who's one of the, obviously one of the most prominent sports agents of all yeah, time. Yeah. I've read all his books. I, I got kicked out of his lobby. So I found his <laughs> office address. I showed up, <laughs> this intern comes out. <laughs> It's like, you don't have a meeting with Lee. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll just wait for him to come out. I just want to hand him my resume. I just want to talk to Lee. Intern comes back out and he's like, sir, you got to leave. Uh, so they kicked me out. So fast forward a couple of years. Uh, I'm now in Las Vegas. I got a job at Fritz Martin Management was the agency. And I get a call from Carson Wentz. And he goes, it's down to, he's like, I'm trying to choose an agent. I know you know a lot about the industry because you used to work work in it. I just left Fritz Martin Management and I was in Dallas with Dude Perfect. He's like, can you just give me your honest opinion? And I was like, okay, who's it down to? And he goes, <laughs> Rep One Sports, um, Lee Steinberg and CAA. And so that same day that I got kicked out of Lee Steinberg's office, I drove down to Rep One's office and Bruce and Ryan Tolner, no one was in the office except for a janitor who was cleaning up. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to leave my resume on Ryan's desk. <laughs> and he goes, okay, whatever then you have to leave because you can't be in here. 
Right. Ryan sends me an email two days later, thanking me for putting the resume on his desk, being like, I really appreciate you coming in. Unfortunately, we don't have a position right now, but let's stay in touch. If you really want to get in the industry, happy to set up a call, talk through it. So those are my two experiences. Now fast forward two years and you know, the number two pick in the NFL draft is basically saying, do I go at least? On- <laughs> and I was like, man, this really came full circle quickly. Uh, long story short, I was like, listen, I'll give you a background on each individual. I'm not going to tell you who to pick. What I will tell you is pick the person you have the best relationship with. Right. It's a 10 to 15 year person. They're going to be involved in your family. Right. It, they're going to be very, very close to you for a for the foreseeable future, because Carson's not going anywhere. He's going to have a long NFL career. Right, right. We ended up choosing um, Rep One Sports, uh, which didn't shock me at all. But yeah, it's just funny how that all kind of happened, getting kicked out of an office. The other one was really nice. And then they ask you who, which agent to go with. That's too funny. Yeah. You never know, man. You never know who that's going to... That's why so you like, got to treat everybody nicely. So when kids show up at my office, and we get quite a few now, like, hey, you just want to talk to Mr. Beast's team. Do you, does he work here? You know, you always have to be nice to that person. You just never know. Like, right. especially kids, like they'll figure out how to get in this industry if they really want to be in this industry. Yeah, and they'll remember. And they will remember. <laughs> I didn't really hold a grudge. It was kind of like, whatever. Um, I got into the industry anyway. Right. Help it all. Um, but I, I probably know some people in that situation who would have been like, don't sign with Lee. Don't do it. Right. So who do you, so how, you, were you in Vegas then when you signed your first client? When did you become you? Digital Overnight media. Okay. So I left uh, Las Vegas. I picked, I packed up my car, told my parents I was quitting my job. They thought I was insane because I'd worked so hard to get into this industry and packed up the car, drove from Las Vegas to Dallas. And that's really where it all started. And, and you're how old at this time? I was 24, 25, right around that area. I had like $5,000 in my bank account. Didn't have any money. I really just had internships up until this point, had never had an actual job, didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew that this was the path I wanted to take. It felt right. And everyone's had those moments where you really have a fork in the road and it's like, this decision actually feels right. Although it's very risky, I see it somehow paying off. I don't know how to paint that picture yet and I don't know what it's going to turn into, but it feels right. And so me quitting that job or quitting that internship and packing up my car and driving to Dallas just felt right. What, what was in Dallas? Dude Perfect was based in Dallas. And so you were going to go work for Dude Perfect? Yeah, I was going to go. Had no paperwork, no documents. I had told them that I was potentially leaving. And they were like, great, you know, coming to Dallas, happy to work with you. I was like, great, I'm coming. And that was it. No paperwork, no documentation. Uh, packed up the car, drove to Dallas. I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn and I'm going to soak as much knowledge as I can. That's crazy. So then you go from there and then from there is when you actually went out on your own after how, how long until you got your first client outside of Dude Perfect? Well, I literally formed the company probably six months after moving to Dallas because I knew I wanted to do this long-term, continue to work with Dude Perfect. And then after forming the business is when I met Typical Gamer happened really quickly. Mm. Typical Gamer at that time was growing, wasn't massive. He grew into one of the biggest live streamers on YouTube still to this day. Yeah. Uh, but he still wasn't as massive when I signed him. I just saw a lot of value in him playing video games online and his audience growing. And then it just, it just spiraled into me meeting almost every single gamer um, through either Andre or sure. other friends of mine. And people started understanding what I was trying to do didn't really sign anyone. Um, there was a slow period where it was just me and a few clients just kind of doing my thing. And then early 2017, I met Preston. So Preston, for those who don't know, he has- oh, oh, Hold up, let's pause there real quick. I wanna come back to Preston because I do wanna get there. Let's go back to Typical Gamer. Yep. You meet him, what's your pitch? Yo, what up? I just started a company. I don't have any clients. I'll, I'll manage you. <laughs> like, what do you tell him? More or less, yeah. He said he needed help. He had, didn't have a manager. Unlike a lot of people I've met, Andre didn't have a manager at that point. He was trying to navigate this world all by himself and he needed help. It's like, listen, I don't know if I'm your guy, happy to work non-exclusive, but I'll provide value. I was like, just let me provide value. And then we'll have that discussion down the road about what this business relationship is. And so that's how it started. I think 
people get too caught up in let's put a contract in front of them. Let's make him exclusive. I was just at the point where I was willing to, to take a chance. And so was Andre on me. It's like, we don't know if this is going to work, but right. I'm willing to work my ass off. So if you're willing to give me a shot, let's see what this turns into. Yeah. And I, I still approach it the exact same way to this day. When I meet someone and I had a, I had a meeting last week with a massive YouTuber and it was never, Hey, I'll send you a contract. Let's be exclusive. I was like, listen, I really like you. Let's continue to get to know each other. Um, because if we end up doing this, it's going to be a long relationship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For one, like we have to get along. If we don't get along, this is never going to work Two, let's see how well we work together. Like we, I never really jump in bed with someone and throw a contract in front of them. So this, yeah. the same philosophy holds true today for how I started working with Andre. That's awesome. And I think that's super important too, especially, I mean, in the entertainment business, the business that you're in, I mean, you typically think LA, I mean, you're in Dallas, but like, it's such a different world than say like the typical business world, right? Like New York or, you know, Chicago where, where it's like contracts and paperwork and sign deals and dotted eyes and you know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like relationships, they're important everywhere in business, but in your business specifically, just networking and getting to know people, I mean, that's your in, right? You're not like running ads to try to get more clients. You're just no, going I mean, to meet people. My right. End is, my in is trust and word of mouth. Uh, I know that, and this happens a lot with my clients. Uh, they'll say, hey, so-and-so, who's your manager? And they'll say, oh, Reed, you know, happy to introduce you. Here, here's his Twitter. And then I'll do a Twitter DM. Uh, I'm pretty picky now, especially in this office with everyone in here. We're all pretty picky with who we take on because we know the time and effort that goes into one single client. Right. But it's going to continue to just be word of mouth because the people that we work with to this day trust us entirely. They trust us with their careers. They trust us with their future business path. And so for me, you know, Andre's relationship was built on trust and everyone going forward is going to be that same thing. Hmm. I love that. So what's, I, I have two questions. I'm trying to figure out because they could both go along with each other. H how do you determine what's next? I mean, cause you're responsible for a lot of people. I mean, you indirectly have a ridiculous amount of influence right so yeah. like just looking at my telegram right now on my other screen like i have a lot of messages that i have to get back to it right. because all these guys come to me every single day um asking questions what's going on with that deal what's going on with that business you know should i hire this person there's a lot of questions that circulate on a day-to-day -day basis um so so how do you decide what the next step is for your clients how do you figure out like hey i mean obviously you're it's more or less gambling, right? Like you're making predictions just like everybody else. But what's your roadmap per se to go, hey, this is the direction that we're going to go. Here's why I think it's a good idea. I actually don't lead the direction as much as you'd think. I let them dictate the direction. I'm, I look at us as they're the pilot, we're the co-pilot. So okay. they're flying the plane. We're just also helping them steer, right? Got it. Planes, if you actually still fly planes, it's not a computer. But you understand. Uh, right, so right. The concept. The it, it always comes down to, and I usually push for this, is put it down on paper. What, what do you want to accomplish in the next three years? What do you want to accomplish in the next five years? What businesses make sense to you or do you think your fans will really enjoy, right? Yeah. What can you sell? And so that's where it really starts. My job has changed a little bit over the course of the last two years where I was the talent manager involved in the day-to-day, -day, so far in the weeds on everything that was going on all the people in this office have been phenomenal and they've allowed me mm -hmm. to not necessarily step back, but they'd allowed, they've allowed me to look at it from a higher scale of, okay, I'll be, I'll, let me look at the vision as the CEO. My job now is to create the vision yeah. of where night media is headed and help our clients understand where their careers are headed. And I have a lot of people in this office who are helping just pull together the operations, the contracts, the day to day. Those are things I have to do all by myself for a long time. Oh man. Yeah. Time. It's a lot. I mean, we've seen 15, 20, 30 contracts just in a month um, hit, hit an email inbox. Like we just signed big deals with a few big brands and these negotiations took months, uh, yeah. like you know. So it's, yeah. it's allowed me to step away from those conversations and look at a more high level of, okay, where are we taking Night Media? What's the vision of this company going forward? How did you get to that point? Did you have a business mentor? No, um, I didn't. I, I still... I still don't really have a business mentor to this day. I rely very heavily on a few people 
um, that I meet with on a monthly basis, but they don't really know a ton about the business. It's more on a personal level. Not a personal level. That makes sense. Uh, so I, I, one of them is the CEO of Hunt Oil here in town. His name's Chris Kleiner. I've learned a tremendous amount um, from that guy, but not necessarily in business, more about humility in life and how to operate a team and how to be an actual leader. Um, we really don't get into the weeds on, okay, what are you doing? What's the business doing? What's the capital? We don't, it's not something I really want to concentrate on. I'm right. interested in having someone help me grow as an individual. What's the future then for you with, with Knight Media? So Knight Media's future is where we're currently sitting right now is Knight Media has become a holding company and it's become a holding company for a ton of subsidiary businesses that we've built with clients. We're in the process now of launching a large mobile game company with a client. We're going to announce some type of kids network in the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, we're announcing a beauty product coming out in 30 days. So we have a lot going on in here. And then from a production standpoint, we're working on a documentary, we're working on an animation. Uh, we'll probably announce something in the next 30 days on the production side with YouTube as well. Uh, so there's a lot of moving pieces in here. And that's why I said I broke into two segments, influence and create, and we're really focused on create. And so three years from now, looking at Night Media, it's going to continue to be a holding company. That's, that's really the goal for hmm. me to have one of the largest digital holding companies that's was really built on the core of content creators and digital influencers. So I still don't think people understand the value. That I don't think so either. Jimmy I agree with that. Literally, so for those of you who don't know, Jimmy, Mr. Beast can literally put out a video for a mobile game and get one to two million downloads just from talking about it. I My don't God. understand the amount of money you have to spend to get <laughs> um, but for him to literally talk about it for 15 seconds in a video i, I it's just mind-blowing i've yeah. never saw a lot of value in instagram influencers i still don't i see really youtube content creators um yeah it's instagram deals and even to this day like i haven't seen a lot of massive instagram deals for the top people yes but they're only doing one maybe two every quarter it's not crazy. If we wanted to, we could put an ad on almost every single every video. video Jimmy puts out. And that's at a large price tag. So, yeah. and, and also, if he, has a, if he has, say, 10 million followers on Instagram versus 10 million subscribers pulling you know, a million views plus a video, I would rather take that every day of the week than yeah. having 10 million followers on Instagram, right? Every day of the week. Yeah. So yeah. I think even for those content creators trying to focus on being a content creator and having this career of, of making money from being a digital influencer, focus on YouTube. YouTube um, everything yeah. can spin out of YouTube. You can go do distribution deals for your content. You can go put it on Facebook or Snapchat or wherever. Instagram can come second. Jimmy, it, November 2018, Jimmy had under 50,000 followers on Instagram. Under 50,000 within four months. So like, we were like, okay, it's time to turn the spigot on for it. Right, right, right. It's like 4.3 million right now. It's like, that's how easy it is once you have an influence on YouTube. So I would on say YouTube, yeah. concentrate on long form video. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, how do you determine the price tags? You just make up a random number or are you just seeing what people are paying? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone used to just be like, huh, how much should we charge this time? No. We <laughs> Base it a lot on uh, CPM. So similar to how YouTube bases their ad model, right? CPM. That makes sense, yeah. We usually just base it, depending on the influencer, anywhere from $18 to $30 uh, CPM. That's how we base our pricing. And it, it fluctuates depending on time of year. Summer right now, sorry for all the brands out there, it's, it's, it's an expensive time of year. Views yeah. are high, CPMs are high. It's just, it is what it is. Everything's good, yeah. September, October is going to dip and we might take a little less. And once November hits, it's the biggest time of the year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so, that's how we dictate pricing right now. That makes sense. Do you follow politics slash the economy at all? I try not to. I used to. Uh, with everything going on, I've taken a step back from politics. I am personally, I would say I'm fiscally conservative, and then socially progressive, right? So I kind of sit yeah. on that like millennial, typical millennial. I yeah. just don't, I haven't been paying attention in the last few years because there's so much negativity in the air right now. It doesn't matter what party you are for, right? Democrat right. Or Republican. They're both so negative. They right suck. Now. I just can't yeah. even pay attention to it. And 
in my, in my life, in the world that, you know, I live in here for me to consume negativity, it just brings down my day. Yeah. And so everything that I read and everything that I consume has to have some kind of positive light to it. Yeah. I agree with that. No way. Re- I'm just not going to watch the news. The reason I asked that though, it has nothing actually to do with politics because you have to be a special person right? So want to be involved in politics on a daily basis. Um, But from an economic standpoint, right? So one of the things that I'm big in with the politics is I don't really care on a lot of things, but I do focus on the economy. I want to know what the trends are, where we're going. Obviously the economy right now is doing phenomenal, Mm -hmm. but you would expect after 10, 11, 12 years of, you know, things going really well, there's going to be a recession at some point. Do you worry about or consider that at all when it comes to influencer marketing and how a major recession might affect that? Or is that not even on your radar? No, I mean, you can't really, if I worried about that, I'd have to worry about natural disasters and every other thing that could potentially happen. Right. I think, I think not necessarily a recession, but a correction is good. It's healthy for the market. Right. We have clients on our roster that are literally just waiting for a correction so they can either buy into real estate or get into some other instrument, right? Yeah. Money in Bitcoin. So we don't think about it much here. If I did, it'd probably drive me crazy. If I listened to CNBC talk every day about stocks going up and down and the economy getting yeah, yeah. a recession. So, it, it will, and also statistically every 10 years, we should expect some kind of right. recession or correction. So it's, it's primed to happen sometime soon, right? I, I don't know how long we've been in a bull market, but I would say it's been close to a decade. Yeah, you know? it's been almost a decade, yeah. So, if, if, but if I thought about it, I'd probably drive myself crazy. So it's not <laughs> attention to, or is the money going to dip when it happens? Yes. Is it going to eventually come back? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I agree. As long as I'm in this for the long game, I'm not in this for the two, three, four year game. I know Gary Vee says it all the time, but like I'm playing long ball too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see the 10, 15, 20, 25 year career. So honestly, reset, like not necessarily a recession, but corrections are healthy. I love it. I love it. Cool, man. Well, I want to uh, I want to go to some rapid fire questions here at the end, but real quick before we do that, why are you in Dallas still? Why not LA? Ah, people ask me that all the time. I can get to LA in two hours. I'm flying there on Thursday for VidCon. It's extremely expensive. Obviously, state tax plays an issue. Huge. We have a few of our biggest clients already in Texas. Night Media currently doesn't have an influencer in California. Um, no reason for that. It's just if you're a YouTuber, you don't need to live in California. You don't no. need to be in LA. So for me, that sexiness of living in LA has never been there. We have right now in Dallas, I believe 26 Fortune 500 companies in this town. Yeah, Dallas is super businessy. It is. It's very businessy. Uh, I love the town. The traffic isn't bad. I, I, we arguably have one of the best airports in the United States. That's true. I love Dallas. It's phenomenal. And there's yeah. never lines to get through security. I don't see us moving anytime soon, at least HQ. Or will we have a satellite office in LA? Definitely. Uh, yeah. it's, it's hard to play in the production space without somebody or at least a few people based in that city. But it's an easy flight. I can get there really quickly. And you don't have to worry about the freaking San Andreas line earthquake snapping it off into holy moly dude crazy crazy well i mean we and we're dallas is too far north to even get hit with a hurricane Uh, right we really aren't worried about natural disasters here but from a business standpoint there's just a lot of pros to being in this city yeah no i I get i feel that for sure yeah i'll tell you i so i grew up actually in the suburbs of la and then moved out my parents have a farm in the middle of nowhere indiana now but like every time there's an earthquake in california i'm like I don't even want to go there. I'm flying out there in July, uh, July 27th. I'll be at the Challenger Games with, you know, Logan and all those peeps oh, there. Goodness. Yeah, we'll meet there for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I we're trying to put a relay team together, like a night media relay team. They're going to get smashed, but we'll see. Well, hey, hey, if you need a, if you need a runner, I'll run for you. All right? <laughs> we, might like a, we might need a, like a trail, like a, someone at the end, an anchor that can pick up for all the other guys being slow. Perfect. I'll, that'll be me. So I'll do that. So let's get the night media team rolling. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome, dude. Okay. Let's do some rapid fire questions real quick. And then uh, we'll wrap it up before we do that. Anything that you want to talk about or promote? Uh, I don't know. You said you're hiring people. What are you looking for? So let's, let's just go through the hires right now for this. Yeah. So we're hiring a director of operations and and some of these are at the night media level. Some of them are at an individual company level. But at the night media level, we're hiring a director of operations, a public relations manager, which has become very important, 
uh, another social media manager, and then we need an account manager at the night media level as well. And then in the company that we're probably going to announce very quickly, uh, it's a production company. We're going to be making a few hires in programming and production. Um, so we'll announce those probably in the next 30 days. But nice. if you're very good operationally, would love to take a meeting because that's one thing that we need right now uh, is a director of operations. Cool. And, and where would they reach out or find that? Uh, just go on our website. Feel free to reach out to the info at nightmedia.co and someone will be in contact. Sweet, sweet. Okay, rapid fire questions because I appreciate you coming on, man. So, uh, favorite sports car? Favorite sports car? Uh, Stingray. St- Ooh, okay. All right. 67 Stingray to be specific. Really? All right. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, favorite airline to fly? American. American. You get in trouble for that. I love you, Southwest, but American Airlines. Why are you getting in trouble? Oh, do you fly I Southwest a lot? really close with the Southwest team. I love Southwest, but dude, I, love I got Southwest too. But Americans, the, the spot. They, they are. I, I do Delta a lot only because I have the Amex card and I get free flights on them all the time. But yep. dude, the one problem I have with Southwest, dude, they don't have first class. <sighs> yeah. Like, come on, what are you, yeah, who, what are you doing, man? Come on, you gotta attract us businessy people. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, if you could have a dream house anywhere in the world, where would it be? Or like a dream place to live? Anywhere in the world? Yeah, anywhere in the world. Oh, I'd be like in a remote island in the Caribbean somewhere. Somewhere, though. somewhere like off grid, no cell phone service. Maybe, maybe next to Richard Branson's place. I think he's in somewhere in that area. Yeah, just next have a yeah na- neighbors with him, hang out with him all day. Somewhere over be- there, somewhere just exclude like where where I could go away and where employees and friends and family could go away to just unplug. Because I think yeah. one issue that we all have in this industry is our lives live on our cell phone. It's you cannot get away from it. It's so bad. I know. Um, okay, so forty year plan when you're 65, 70 years old. Are you status, fame, billionaire? Like what big picture vision? Honestly, I I want to be a motivational speaker. Uh, Like I said, I I want to eventually have multiple books that I write, whether it's on business or whether uh, it's based on something personal. Money, yeah, money is great. Kind of comes with success. Whether I'm going to be a billionaire or not, who knows? Uh, I would like to eventually take Night Media public in the next five to six years to be the first influencer digital company or holding company to go public is, is a dream that you know I think everyone in this office shares. Um, but in when I'm 60, 70 years old, I honestly hope I'm still working and doing something I love, but hopefully I'm traveling the world speaking as well. That's awesome. Uh, number one key to your success, if you had to sum it all up in one thing? Uh, work ethic. Work ethic. Yeah, I, I like you grew up on a small town, 2000 people, uh, farm town middle of nowhere in North Dakota. So that's awesome. All right. Last question. This is the question that we leave everybody that ever comes on here to be interviewed with. So you are fast forward. You're at the end of your life. You're on your deathbed. I know it's a morbid thought, but it gets happy. Okay. So you're on your deathbed. Every single person that you've influenced, that you've touched, everything that you've done in your life is gone. Like nobody knows who you are. However, every single person that you have ever impacted directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message for them to go live the rest of their life with. What would that message be to them? Wow. That's a great question too. I might have to use that on some of my employees. Do it. Yeah. One message that I get to leave everyone with who doesn't. Know. And they remember Reed says this, there is power in this. What, what is that message? Oh man. Um, so many ways I could go with this. It, it would have to be around humility. Um, I can't come up with a specific quote, but it would, it would be something around um, humility. It'd be like, do unto others as you would do unto yourself, something around those lines. And it's just based off, you know, and even the sports agency conversation that we had about, you know, getting kicked out of an office and being treated poorly versus being tr- treated well. Yeah. Um, so it'd be something around those lines of, you know, treating others you know, not only with respect, but with humility. With humility. You never know what's going on in their life or what they're going through. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. This has been amazing. Nightmedia.co. Nightmedia.co. Yeah, man. Uh, guys, go check that out, especially if you're interested in uh, getting a job with him. Reed's a cool dude. I mean, I've known him for an hour. He seems cool. Uh, but awesome. Reed, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming thank on. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. That is going to wrap up this interview. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Reed, thank you again for your time. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are the ones that change the world. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. 
Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.